Um, so, wait, so there's no pickleball. There is pickleball. At the, on the same day? Okay. Can, can we give a hand for Mike? Mike's been working really hard on the, the remodel of the, of the building. And it looks great. I, I came back. Um, we, we've been gone to Michigan for 10 days, and then we went to Israel for 10 days. And we're getting, you know, different responses in the, in the email. I come back, and I look at the building. It looks like a brand-new building. And uh, I'm thinking, man, I should leave more often so that the, the church looks better. Um, but he's, he's such a blessing to our church. And uh, the, the, the preschool building was made 1982. And so it's, and, and a lot by volunteer help. And so Mike's finding all kinds of different uh, surprises in there, electrical wires and different things that shouldn't be <laughs> the way that they are. But uh, we're glad that everything is getting getting fixed up. So thank you, Mike. Can we give a hand for Mike again? Um, we ha thank you for praying for us as we've uh, been gone on this trip with my sister and, uh, and then also gone to, um, to Israel. It was an amazing time with the, the kids and with Arie. He's a tour guide. And uh, we definitely want to go again, maybe have a little bit more lead time and then take more people from the church that want to come. But it's a life-changing trip to Israel. Uh, you see things that, that you just don't see anywhere else. And, um, and, and we, we've learned a lot, uh, grew a lot, and um, we're, we're, we still love each other. So that's a big, that's a big deal. Um, we, we, 19 people, at it, when we were in Michigan, 19 of us in Sharina's house, that itself is a miracle that nobody killed another person uh, with only two bathrooms. And so uh, we do thank you for your prayers. Uh, it was amazing to be there. Sharina is doing good. She sends her love. Um, we were able to go to First Baptist Church that she's uh, now helping and uh, we saw the first Ohana Sunday that she put together for the church. And it was really awesome. To, it's, a, it's a probably the same size as our church. And that was the first time that this Baptist church has let a woman do anything in, uh, in, you know, in a position of leadership. So it was neat to see that uh, the, the church has, had let her, you know, run this Ohana Sunday, they call it Connect Sundays. And uh, it there was just like an excitement in the room. There was kids that were serving that never served before. She had this whole ice cream thing that everybody was playing games to participate in. And it kind of felt like Maui, you know, because she's bossing everyone around and it, it seemed like home. Um, so it was cool to see what God is doing there in Michigan through, uh, through Sharina and her family there. And then, and then we went to, um, to Israel. Let me just tell you a story about Israel. Uh, just to give you an idea of how your prayers have worked. Um, the guy that's taking us around, his name is Arie. He's a, a former paratrooper. He's a guy that has no fear, 74, 75 years old. A couple years ago, a woman, you know, busted her shoe on one of the tours to Masada, and he threw her over his shoulder and walked her all the way down. Like, this guy is kind of like my dad, except a little bit more buff. Uh, but 70-something years old, has more energy than anyone else. And, um, and he's taking us to all these war sites where, um, you know, the Syrian war was fought, the, uh, all these other wars that were fought. And he 
he shows us places where Hamas is, you know, launching missiles into Israel. And he's like, yeah, but you guys don't have to worry about it. You know, we're, this happens all the time. <laughs> he, he literally has, like, no fear. And uh, he, for some reason, this is, like, the last time he wasn't our driver. But this time he was our driver. Bad mistake. Um, Alexis said that she never wants to go on another bus ride again. And I, I kid you not, he drives the bus like how I drive my Jeep. And there was this one place that he wanted to take us, and he said, uh, I really want to take you to this peak where you can see all the different, like the Dead Sea and Sea of Galilee and the Jordan all in, in one view. But we have to get up to this, this peak, and it's going to be a little, you know, hairy, but uh, I, I want to take you guys there so you can see it. Do you guys want to go? And we're like, yeah, we want to go, not knowing that it was off-road, it wasn't paved, and it was hairpin turns up and down in a tour van. So, so we, we get in, we start going up, and this guy does not, you know, honor speed bumps at all. Like, before we get, we're flying over these speed bumps, and my mom is sitting, me and my mom are sitting side by side in the back of the bus, and he just launches this one speed bump because he's older, like my dad, and he can't see good, so he doesn't see the speed bump coming, launches, and I turn to the side, and I see my mom go airborne, and her head literally comes, like, a couple centimeters from the top of the bus. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I, like, look at her, and I'm like, mom, you should not be sitting in the bus. What are you doing sitting in the bus? And I'm kind of, like, a little panicked because... This is my elderly mom, and if she hits her head and, you know, goes unconscious and, you know, it's not going to be good. So I'm like, Mom, you shouldn't be sitting back here. You should, like, go to the front. And I said, but, but not now. And so because he's, you know, going. And then he starts going off-road and starts doing these hairpin turns, like crazy. And then we're, we're going down this one slope, and we're going through this, this turn that it would be, like, you know, an accomplishment to to do it in a Jeep. He's doing it in a tour van, and I'm thinking, like, how is he doing this? And then it's going to the edge that if he goes off the edge, like, it's not good. And, and, but it's such a hairpin turn, and the, it's like this. It's like 45 degrees. It's like super steep. Everybody's like freaking out. And so he has to stop. So he stops to keep from going over the edge, and I'm thinking, okay, now what is he going to do? Because now he, he got to like reverse and work literally like this, right? And he got to reverse to somehow like get around this turn. So he stops and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he going to do? And then I see my mom get up and she starts walking down the aisle at this like 45 degree thing. I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, I shouldn't be in the back. You said go in the front. I'm like, not now. And she gets to the front. She wants to get into, like, the side, uh, the side seat, and then my dad sees her out of the corner of his eye, like, her out of her seat as we're, like, on this hairpin turn, 45-degree angle, and he sticks his hand out, and he's like, go back. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> go back. So, and, then, and then he sticks it in reverse and starts, like, coming back up the hill, and my mom isn't even sitting down yet, and I'm like... I just shout out from the back in panic. I'm like, let her sit down. <laughs> and then my dad, he moves his hand, and then she sits next to, like, one of the pastors on the tour. And he looks at her, and she goes, he goes, and he says it loud enough for the whole bus to hear, because everybody's kind of freaked out. And he's like, 
how are you guys still alive? <laughs> I don't know. We got people at Grace Bible Maui praying for us. So, <laughs> so that was uh, one of the highlights of the trip. Um, but another highlight was just seeing all the cousins together. There was like 19 of us. And while we were in Michigan, we had devotions every morning and every night. And, uh, you know, we delegated who was going to run the devotions every day. And it was such like an a, a amazing experience to see the, the fruit of, you know, my parents, my mom and dad leading the way. And, you know, now they have all these kids and grandkids, 19 of us stuck in Sharina's house loving each other and, and having devotions and loving God. And it, it, that was like one of the highlights of the trip. And the devotion that I did um, was from Second Chronicles 3.1. And I've kind of turned it into a message this morning because um, as I was reading it that morning, and why don't we read it together? This is Second uh, Chronicles 3.1. The title of the message is Legacy Where Altars Become Temples or places of sacrifice become places of worship. Um, how many of you, before we read the scripture, how many of you have felt the prompting of God since you've started your walk with the Lord where he's asked you to make sacrifices and do things that just don't make sense to you? Anyone? You know, it's, it's very common in the life of a believer where God asks us to sacrifice. He asks us to step out in faith and do things that don't really make sense. It could... You know, Leigh and Mike talked about how God moved them during COVID from outside of their work environment into this new business that they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of times God will ask us to sacrifice things that are, that are dear to us because he wants to, to take those things, put his anointing on it, and then give it back to us for the furtherance of the kingdom. And so he asks us to sacrifice things that, that are very hard to sacrifice sometimes. And what we find through scripture is that when we're obedient and we do take that step of faith into unprecedented waters or places that are uncomfortable, that it provides a floor for, or the floor for the next generation to actually experience and worship God. And so places of our sacrifice in one generation become places of worship in the next. And there's never a sacrifice that goes to waste. And so Second Chronicles 3 verse 1 uh, let's read this together at the count of three. One, two, three. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Everyone say Mount Moriah. Where the Lord had appeared to his father, David, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Second Chronicles 3 verse 1. The story behind this is that there was a plague that was taking over Israel. And David saw an angel over the threshing floor of a Jebusite on Mount Moriah. Everyone say Mount Moriah again, because that's a significant place. And David said he was going to set up an altar on this threshing floor. And the Jebusite said, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the goats. I'll give you everything that you need to set up the altar to make your sacrifice to God. And David said this phrase that now most of Christendom under, understand and have memorized, but David said, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And he gave this Jebusite 50 shekels of silver 
paid for the land, and then sacrificed to the Lord. And it was in that exact same place that Solomon turned that threshing floor into the, the tabernacle of Solomon, the, the, the biggest, tab- the greatest um, representation of the apex of the, uh, the government of Israel. And the place of sacrifice of David became the place of uh, worship for Solomon, his son. Um, and so during uh, the time that we were all sitting together and, you know, we were looking, we were looking, uh, doing devotions, and I was just thinking through, like, how my parents, in a lot of ways, they were obedient to the Lord and stepped out and, and uh, made sacrifices, came to Maui and started a church. And uh, all through my life, I've seen them following the Lord. And now I'm close to 50 years old. Crazy. I can't believe I'm like close to 50 years old. Like, I feel old. Um, but I see my kids and, you know, um, their cousins and stuff, and we're all around and seeing the fruit of that sacrifice. And, and so, like, grateful uh, to God and to my parents for, for the foundation that they laid for, uh, for our family. And, um, and one of the things that I felt God said is there's no sacrifice that is in vain. Like, and it doesn't have to be a, a crazy sacrifice. When God calls you to do anything in, as an act of obedience, he's going to use it for his glory. And you don't have to even have kids. You don't have to be a parent. You don't have to. There, there's stories in scripture like Mordecai is an uncle. He didn't have any kids. He just was a good uncle to Esther. And he was obedient to what God called him to. And that sacrifice and that obedience paved the way for God to do amazing things. And so there is no sacrifice. There's no act of obedience that doesn't, that is in vain. Um, so. I was just, like, telling the kids, you know, like, we get to see these, these three generations uh, and the fruit of a life of obedience. And so God, what is God calling you to? Like, what is he asking you to do today? You know, I was asking the, the older kids and the younger kids and trying to get them to see a little bit uh, long term. What I didn't know is that just a couple weeks later, we would actually be in Israel and that I would have the opportunity to actually visit Mount Moriah for the first time and to be on the, the ground that I was doing that devotion on. And that place is actually, like, we went there once before. My parents have been to Israel about six times before. They've never been to that location either. And for some reason, it was open that day so that we could all go and visit the temple ground of where Solomon built the temple and go to the place of where the Holy of Holies was uh, in Jerusalem and the Holy City. And so when we got there, it was like a pretty amazing thing. And when I was thinking through, you know, this devotional, I realized that it wasn't just David, but there was generations before David that Abraham made a sacrifice on that exact same place, Mount Moriah. Everyone say Mount Moriah. And it's in the center of Jerusalem city. So Abraham gave up Isaac. This is point one. Abraham gave up Isaac to the Lord on Mount Moriah. Uh, Let's read the scripture together. Genesis 22 verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom you love, 
and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. Genesis 22, 2. Many times God will test the heart of a believer to ensure that we love him more than what he has promised. God is able to give back what we give to him, but with a greater promise. Um, most of us know this story of, of Abraham and that God called him to sacrifice Isaac. And he takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah. And before he sacrifices Isaac, God tells him, stop. I've already provided a sacrifice, but I wanted to see if you would hold anything back from me. And now that I see that you haven't held anything back, I want to make a covenant with you. And then that's where the Abrahamic covenant is, uh, is made. And he says, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I'll make your name great. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so God asked Abraham to make a, a sacrifice. And through that sacrifice, he blessed the entire world. Um, so many times God will make us, uh, ask us to, to do the sacrifice. Um, I remember Kevin Asano. And Kevin Asano, uh, for those of you that don't know, he was Pastor Lance's. Oh, can we give a hand for Pastor Lance and for, uh, for, for Zach for preaching and taking care of the church while we were gone? They did an amazing job. And we were listening to the, the podcast uh, while we were in Israel um, I love when he talks about his marriage and tittying and forgiveness and, <laughs> and love and patience and all of that. So, um, but Pastor Lance, he was the training partner for, uh, for Kevin, and Kevin was a silver medalist in the 1992 or 1988 Olympics for judo. And I remember when he was the, the pastor of our youth group here at Grace Bible Church, and he brought Kevin Asano over to do a demonstration. And they were um, in the preschool building. And the preschool building has a cement floor like this with carpet somewhat like this. And I remember them picking each other up judo. You know, they're judo silver medal champions. And, and I remember Lance picking Kevin up or Kevin picking Lance up and just like throwing them. And I was there as a high schooler watching these two guys. And all I can remember was they were throwing each other, and when they were landing on the cement floor, it would shake. And I would think, holy smoke, like, these guys are crazy. And, and they were doing it, like, you know, back and forth to each other, like it was nothing. And I remember Kevin Asano, and he was, he was sharing his testimony on how after he won the silver medal, and a lot of people thought, yeah, Pastor Lance, that he should have got gold, Right? Like, he should have got gold in that Olympic, but it was held in Japan, and Japan couldn't give gold to anybody else, so they, they juiced things up, and Kevin ended up getting the silver. Anyway, um, so Kevin, he wanted to start his own judo um, dojo, and, uh, and, and, and God asked him to give that up, and so he, gives up, he gave that up, and he actually became a pastor for a season of time, and and gave up his dreams because he felt God had asked him to do that, to go into, uh, to, to, to be a pastor on Oahu. Um, and over the course of time, God took him out of that. Uh, he started his own financial um, business. And then from there, uh, he, God called him back into actually doing this judo, um, this judo dojo and he uses it to minister to kids and to share the gospel and to teach uh, judo as a silver, a 
uh, past silver medal champion. And so God gave it back, and now he's doing what he uh, was dreaming of doing, but with the whole background of being a pastor and all this other stuff, and it's now an amazing ministry on Oahu. And uh, God, a lot of times, calls us to, to give up the things that we love, and nothing that we give up will ever go to vain. Amen? Will ever be in vain. Um, so Abraham, he was the first one on Mount Moriah. The second person was David. Um, let's read this, this passage of scripture, uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24 and 25 at the count of three. One, two, three. Then the king said to Arna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Because he was uh, offering it to David for free. And David said, no, I'm going to buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So it just gives the history behind this place where David uh, offered these these sacrifices to the Lord. And then finally, Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah on the same place that David offered the sacrifice on the threshing floor of the Jebusite. So let's read that together. Second Chronicles 3, verse 1. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So it was really neat because when we went to Israel, we don't know exactly where that threshing floor is or we don't know where, where Abraham sacrificed Isaac or potentially agreed to sacrifice Isaac before God uh, provided a sacrifice. But we do know where Solomon built the temple. And scripture says that where Solomon built the temple is the same place where David purchased the threshing floor of the Jebusite. So uh, this, is, this is that site. And you can go to that first picture. You got that first picture there? Okay, so, so this is inside the temple area. And uh, the Muslims have also taken this same area as their holy place because their father also is Abraham. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael had all the Muslims. Uh, Isaac had all the Jewish nations. And so, uh, or produced the Jewish nations. And so um, they constructed this uh, on that temple mount right next to where Solomon's temple was built. And then Solomon's temple was destroyed. Um, so Solomon's temple is not there. This is there instead. And, um, or on the side of where Solomon's temple was. And the Muslims believe that Muhammad ascended to heaven from the place of the Dome on the Rock. So that's their holy place. But, uh, and they normally, every time that we've gone, have not let tourists in to see it. But uh, they allowed tourists to be there uh, on this day. So um, can you go to the next? Can you go to the next clip? Uh, it's like of a little, yeah, perfect. So this is the place where... Um, archaeologists, or archaeologists have uh, marked as you can see the ruins of the Temple of uh, Solomon 
And this is exactly where the Holy of Holies rested for the Temple of Solomon. And, you know, I've, I've studied the, the temple all my life, and to actually be on the site where the temple is, and to know that this is also the threshing floor of David, and this is Mount Moriah, the place where Solomon sacrificed Isaac. I mean, Abraham sacrificed Isaac. It was an awesome experience. Um, what was really interesting, too, is that uh, Arie was talking to us about the importance of orientation. Can I give you just a, this is going to bore some people, but I thought this was one of the coolest things on the trip. So will you give me permission to bore you for a little while? So orientation is really amazing when you look at different world religions because Canaanites, all of their temples face to the east. They worship the sun, and so all their temples are faced toward the east. If you look at all the Greeks, Greek mythology and all of their temples, they all face north and they worship the north. Actually, America is very influenced by Greek uh, mythology and uh, the, the Greeks, and we are all uh, northificated. So all of our maps, everything is faced north. Um, Egyptians, they worship the Nile, and so everything is orientated toward the south. But for Israel, Israel has always believed that the more west you go, the more holy. And so everything is faced west. And so if you look at the trek of uh, Abraham, when Abraham separated from Lot, Lot went east and Abraham went west. Abraham's whole journey was west. And then if you look at Israel, when they came from Egypt, they crossed the Jordan River, and they crossed the Jordan River, and they went into the land of Canaan from east to west. And then if you look at Jesus' path, Jesus also went from east to west. And the scripture tells us that as lightning goes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And so he kept talking to us about this east to west and everything in in Hebrew, goes from east to west. Um, so go back to that, that picture of the pavilion. And this is really interesting. So try to go to the map. Um, I think it's one of the last slides. Okay, so if you look at the map of Jesus' trek on his last week before he got crucified, he entered Jerusalem from Mount Olives, Bethany and the Mount Olives. So we went to all of these spots, but Jesus went from Mount Olives, and then he had his triumphant entry into Jerusalem through the gates. And then uh, before he went to the cross, he spent time in the Garden of Gethsemane. So you can see from east to west. And then he went into the Temple Mount, um, was tried, and then outside of the Western Wall, and then... Um, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that is right over the hill of Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. And if you go right past that, there's another, um, there's another dome that covers the place where Jesus' tomb was and where he resurrected from. So you can see totally like this line from east to west of Jesus' last days uh, during his ministry. And then on the road to Emmaus, he jumps on the road to Emmaus, talks to his disciples, and goes from east to west all the way to the Mediterranean. Pretty cool, right? 
Okay, this is even more cool. So, so when we are on that Temple Mount, so see the, the golden dome, the dome on the rock? If you go a little bit past that dome on the rock, so what way is this way? What way is up? North, right? So if you go a little bit more north on that same plateau, that's where the Temple of Solomon was. It's a little bit more north of the dome on the rock. Um, so can you go back to that picture? Um, that's a little bit blurry. Okay, perfect. So see that little, uh, that little kiosk? That's like a faraway photo of the kiosk that the previous picture was. Got it? Okay, so I'm taking this picture from the eastern gate, and so we're looking from east to west. Got it? That, that kiosk is the Holy of Holies, where Solomon's temple was. It's also the threshing floor of the Jebusite of David and the, the place where Abraham sacrificed Isaac on Mount Moriah. We're all on Mount Moriah. But the amazing thing is, if you go this way, the gate of Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane and all of that is like perfectly this way. And then if you look this way, there's that small little dome. But if you look behind it, past the wall, you see that small little, or it's like a dark blue dome? That's the Holy Sepulcher where uh, Jesus was crucified on the hill of Golgotha. And then if you go past that a little bit more, then you can see a bigger dome that's behind it that is over the tomb of Jesus. So everything is in this perfect line from east to west. Isn't that crazy? And you can backtrack and go all the way from the gate where Jesus walked into the temple, and it lines up perfectly with this line right across the holy city. And so when the verse says that Jesus goes from east to west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And then you also check the gospel, that the gospel went through Jerusalem and then went to Europe. And then from Europe, it didn't go to Asia, it went to America then from America to China, and now China is pushing the gospel back to Jerusalem, there is this east to west that the scripture talks about and we're experiencing today. It's a, an amazing thing. And, and what I go back to is like that devotional that I shared with the kids of the importance of sacrifice, there's no way that Abraham, when he was asked to make that sacrifice, could understand that this place that he sacrificed on would be in perfect alignment with all of these different things of Jesus' path on his last week on earth. But God knew. Isn't that amazing? That, that we might not know why God asks us or calls us into different things and calls us to sacrifice or take steps of faith, but the implications of that are so huge that we cannot possibly fathom what it is. Now we can have 4,000 years of history and see God had this plan. But when I'm sitting in the living room with, you know, my kids and my parents and it's just three generations, it's like, wow, God did this cute little thing. But what is it going to look like 2,000 years from now? You know, what, what is your obedience going to do? What impact is it going to make for the kingdom of God when we can see 2,000 years from now when we're in eternity. 
it's, it's, it's amazing to, that we have some history to look back on, but God has called all of us into a plan that's so much greater than ourselves. And the small little acts of faith that we have to speak to a neighbor, to share an act of kindness, to sacrifice what we have for the kingdom, we have no idea in the big picture what God has in mind for every single one of us. Amen? I just wanted to encourage you with that, that, that God has called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. And no matter what it is that he's calling you to do, whatever act of faith he's calling you to step out in, it's, it's not a small thing. God has plans that are much bigger. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of the plans and the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Why don't we all stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Is that good stuff? <laughs> Are you guys awake? God, I just thank you, Lord, so much for this day and so much for your word and, and your faithfulness and that we can see uh, all through history what the results were of people who have put their trust in you. And, and God, it's not easy. It's not easy to take these steps of faith or to go through the pain or to go through the suffering of what your will is. And God, we thank you for Jesus who provided for us the path of suffering and the path of sacrifice that we can get, gain strength from. God, we know that all things work together. All things aren't good, but all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so, God, I, I pray that you'd strengthen the hearts of those who are struggling this morning, those that don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, those that are going through their own struggles of faith, Lord, you are faithful. Even when we remain faithless, God, you are faithful, and you can pull us to the end of what you have called us to. And God, I just pray that every purpose and every plan that you have for each one here, Lord, that you would, we are unable to get there on our own, but Lord, that you would get us there, that you would pull us through, and that you would give us faith to obey in the areas that you've called us to obey, knowing that you have a great plan for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen.